act to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, asking him to forgive you when you recognize that you have sinned. The Prophet said, Fear Allah wherever you may be. Wherever you are, fear Allah. Know that Allah is watching you. Know that he hears you. Know that he knows even if it's not something that you're doing or something that you're listening to or something that you're watching, that he knows what you're thinking. Know that about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Turn to him in repentance. And then the heart will get clean again. The Prophet said, Fear Allah wherever you may be. Follow up a bad deed with a good deed and it will erase it. Deal with the people in a good manner. Comprehensive advice from the Prophet what, what could we give the title for this chapter here, for this hadith? Huh? Sins kill the heart. Excellent. Khalas. We're done. We'll take that. Sins kill the heart. Number 34. Hadith 34. You can, uh, the hadith 33 is a beautiful hadith. Go back and read it in Sahih Muslim, but we don't have enough time to read it together. Yalla, 34. was narrated from Abu Huraira that the messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said do not laugh a lot for too much laughter kills the heart Ibn yes uh, this hadith was graded as Hassan by Shaykh al-Bani rahimahullah la tuqtirul do not laugh a lot for too much laughter kills the heart not just too much laughter, but too much of anything that is permissible kills the heart. Too much food, too much sleep, too much anything that is permissible kills the heart. And this is why, subhanAllah, this is why Ramadan is so beautiful. Because what do you do in Ramadan? You abstain from the permissible for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Eating is halal. Drinking is halal. Relationships with your spouse, halal. Oh, but, but you do what? You refrain from those things. And when you refrain from them, how do you feel? SubhanAllah. You would think that after 15 hours of fasting and all this, that you'd just be all oh, dead. No. SubhanAllah, if somebody said, hey, you got to go another hour, you could go another hour. Because you, you trained yourself for the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to stay away from the permissible. And this is what the Messenger of Allah is telling us here. Don't do too much of those permissible things. Too much of that is going to kill the heart. It's going to make you insensitive. And so nobody's saying that, oh, you, you, well, you enjoy comedy. Well, how, how often do you watch... Yani you find some people, subhanAllah, he, he wants to watch stand-up for an hour and a half. He doesn't get bored. He laughs the whole time. Read Quran for five minutes, and, and he can't sit still. Yani this, is, this is to show you there's something wrong here. There's something wrong. When we can enjoy the speech of men more than we enjoy the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When we can 
And, and, and so what's happening is, is that the heart is dying a slow death with these things. And that's why we have to put it in check. All right? What, we, what could we give this chapter? What could we title this chapter? Huh? Mo- who said it? Moderation what? Moderation is the key to a sound heart, maybe. Not, not bad, not bad. Huh, somebody else got something? What? Uh, wow. I just learned that word from you, mashallah. Flippancy, huh? Okay. Is that like a British word? Americans wouldn't know that, huh? Yes. Sorry? Excess kills. I like that. Are you the same one that had all the... <laughs> Mashallah. I mean, we really do have a group of marketers, here, like marketing specialists. Excess kills. I mean, that's a very beautiful... That's like, that's like just do it. No, really. Excess kills. That's a... I like that. Jazakallah khair. Excess kills. I hope I don't forget that one. Can I use it? If, if, the, if we ever publish the book, can I use that? No trademark or anything on it? Alhamdulillah. Tayyip. Right now, we're going to do this for the next... Okay, so look, we have 35 minutes. I'm going to try to get through the next five hadith in like 15, 20 minutes so that we can take 10 minutes to develop our own program, inshallah, okay? So we're going to have to kind of move like lightning speed. Practical ways to ensure a sound heart. Practical ways to ensure a sound heart. So these are some things. We're going to look at these ahadith, and we're going to try to extract what is it that helps us to make sure that the heart is sound, it's soft, pliable, okay? This hadith, number 35. Al-Ibad ibn Sa'diya who said the Messenger of Allah delivered an admonition, a speech that made our hearts fearful. Wajilat, he says here, uh, Our eyes were tearful and our hearts trembled. They were fearful. We said, oh Messenger of Allah, it's like this is a farewell admonition, so advise us. The Prophet والسلام, said, Usikum bitaqwallah wa sam'i wa ta'ah wa in abdun habashi to the end of the hadith. I command you with the taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you listen, obey, even if a slave was made a ruler over you. Tayyip. Tayyip. What in this hadith, remember, we're under book what? Book seven says what? Practical ways to ensure a sound heart. What in this hadith, what do we get out of this hadith from practical ways to ensure a sound heart? Follow the sunnah. No doubt. No doubt. And that's part of this hadith. Avoid bid'ah. No doubt. But, but I want to ask you something. Where is heart mentioned in this hadith? 
What, no, where is heart? The word itself. Kulub. Huh? First? Yeah, okay. Hearts fearful. What is it that made the hearts tuja, made them shake, made them tremble? What was it? Powerful admonition. So, yes. He said the Prophet delivered a powerful Then one of the things that helps the heart is listening to good lectures. Wallahi. It's a practical way because you can do it every day. What is it that made the heart soft here? What was it? They heard something from the Prophet He gave them an admonition. Sorry? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, but that wasn't what made the hearts turn. Once they felt that way, once they felt that way and they felt that, okay, wait a minute. This is, maybe it seems like it, so, advi so advise us at that point. It was later. They didn't, the heart, if this was, I enjoin you to have tuck of Allah, to hear and obey. To that was after. It was after the fact. The hearts were affected by good, powerful speech. So one of the practical ways to help and ensuring a sound heart is to listen to good lectures. I'll just leave it like that. I know lectures is like a broad term, but you get the point. Tayyip. Hadith 36. Explain what? Yeah, because the Prophet says, have fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and hear and obey. Hear and obey, he's talking about the, the leaders. That you, as common folk, that you, that you hear and you obey. This is your job. That you, that you are obedient, that you follow the rules of the society, the government that has been established, that you follow those rules. Even if the person that was put in charge of you was somebody that's has no status. Even if that person himself is not a noble person, even if he, and you have to look at the context. The Prophet ﷺ was sent to a people who had like almost total anarchy. The, the system, yani, the, the way it was a tribal system. So if this person from this clan had a problem with this person from this clan, they're going to be all types of fighting. It, it's, it's chaotic. And so the Prophet ﷺ came and brought order to a people who had no order. And no doubt about it that the order, even if there's some injustice in that system, it's better than anarchy. And this is something well established, not just in this hadith, but in many other hadith. So this is what the Prophet is saying. Hear and obey. Even if the person in charge is a slave, even if he was to the point where he was that low on the totem pole, in terms of his, his class structure, if you will, if we look at socioeconomic status, that that's how low he was, you have to still obey him. That's what that hadith means, even though that's not part of what we're discussing today. Hadith 36, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, radiallahu ta'ala, who said, the Prophet, alayhi said to me, iqra' alayya, 
يعني read the Quran to me. Uh, Ibn Mas'ud was a bit taken aback by this request from the Prophet So he said to him, Should I read to you? Should I recite the Quran to you? And the Quran has been revealed to you? So the Prophet said, Yes. I like to hear the Quran being recited from others. So, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud says, So I recited Surah Al Nisa until I reached the verse. How will it be when we bring from each nation a witness and we bring you as a witness against these people? And then the Prophet said, Emsik. And in some narrations, Hasbuk, enough. Enough. He said, so he stopped and he looked at the Prophet and behold, his eyes were overflowing with tears collected by Bukhari and Muslim. What do we get from this to help ensure a sound heart? Listening to the Quran. Not just reciting the Quran, which we talked about, but listening to the Quran. Listening to the Quran with what? Understanding. Tadabbur. Reflection. And so here what we get, Ikhwan, is that many of us may not totally understand the Quran. We may not totally understand the Arabic language. That's fine. Take a certain portion that you're going to listen to on a daily basis. Five pages of Quran, for example. Read what it means in whatever language you're comfortable with. English, Urdu, Tagalog, whatever your language might. Read what it means and listen. Listen to it in Arabic and listen to it some more in Arabic. Try to reflect over the meanings of the Quran. This is something that you can do to help Ensure a sound heart. It was something that affected our messenger, alayhi salatu wasalam. Hadith 37. Al-Aghar al-Muzani, radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, said that the messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wasalam, said, sometimes I perceive that there is a veil over my heart. And I supplicate to Allah for forgiveness a hundred times a day. What does it mean when the Prophet says that I perceive that there is a veil over my heart? Is that possible? A veil over the heart of the Prophet Huh? He's human. No doubt. No doubt he's human. I'm a man like you all are people. I'm a, I'm a human being just like you all are. Yuha ilayya. But revelation comes to him. What, what that means is the scholars that uh, were courageous enough to explain this hadith is that the Prophet والسلام, as we know was on another level of yani, attachment on another level of awareness in his relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if we could back up for a minute and not think about the Prophet but maybe think about somebody you know that's very pious. I'll give you an example. 
there was a brother that I know very well, alhamdulillah. And he was always in the masjid for Fajr before the Adhan. For Fajr before the Adhan. He's at the, he's at the masjid. Nobody can beat him to the masjid, not even the Mu'adhan. So they gave him a key. Okay? Now, think about this brother who one night something happened. He stayed up a little later than usual. And instead of coming before the Adhan, he came after the Adhan. And he, somebody actually beat him to the masjid. You know how he feels? He feels like he's not even praying. No, it's, it's another level, right? He, there's another, he has a different type of relationship with Salat al-Fajr. And so just being 10 minutes or 15 minutes later than normal, even though he still has time to pray his two sunnahs and read some Quran and things like this, he still doesn't feel right. And that's because of his normal practice. The Prophet ﷺ was on another level in his relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when he would have to stop yani certain aspects of ibadah to help around the house, which he did, which is sunnah, and the Prophet ﷺ helped Aisha and, the, and, the, and his other wives ﷺ. When the Prophet ﷺ would do these things, do the normal mundane activities of daily life, he would feel like something is coming over his heart. Not that there's any sin involved. You understand? But even with that, he would seek Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness. And you don't just have to seek forgiveness from sin. You can seek forgiveness for falling short of where you want to be. So, if you don't pray two sunnahs after Maghrib, you can say, astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah. Did you sin? No. But you fell short of where you want to be. You understand? So the fact that the Prophet والسلام, is seeking forgiveness from Allah does not mean that he is sinning. I just want that to be very clear. All right? Tayyip. Even, even if we think about it. If we think about the best person after the Prophet ﷺ, his name was Abu Bakr al-Siddiq. He came to the Prophet ﷺ. And he said, Ya Rasulullah, alimni dua na fi salati. Teach me a dua that I can say in my salat. What dua did the Prophet teach Abu Bakr as Siddiq, Siddiq al Ummah, the one who was the most pious man after the Prophets? He taught him to say, Allahumma inni dhalamtu nafsi dhulman kathira wa la yaghfiru dhunubilla int. Fagfili maghfiratan min indik warhamni innaka antal ghafuru rahim. Right? Subhanallah. Oh, he, he taught him to say, Allahumma inni dhalamtu nafsi. I have, oh Allah, I have wronged myself. Dhulman kathiran. Yani greatly. And there is no one that forgives sins except you, so for, forgive me. A forgiveness that comes from you and have mercy on me. Indeed, you are the one who is off, uh, the, the one who is al-ghafur rahim the one who is off-forgiving and most merciful. So even this, the Prophet taught this dua, to Abu Bakr, and we should all learn this, and we should say istighfar a lot, because what? Istighfar is what helps remove that veil from the heart. So what's the title of this chapter? Huh? Out loud, please. Sincere supplication. Now, something else, come on. 
Unveiling the heart. Yes. Removing the veil from the heart. Maybe. Removing the veil. Forgiveness removes veils. I don't know. Seeking forgiveness removes veils. Anyway, where's, where's our marketers? Where, what happened? You guys want to see? Where the marketing specialist guy? What was that last one? Excess kills. I'm right. Hold on. Inshallah. Okay. Next hadith. Next hadith. Abu Hurairah said that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said that he came out to the companions and he said to them, Men asbaha minkum al-yawma Who today has started the day fasting? Who has started his day fasting? Abu Bakr said, I have. The Prophet said, Who amongst you has followed a janazah today? Abu Bakr said, I did. The Prophet said, Who amongst you served food to the needy today? Abu Bakr said, I did. He again asked, Who amongst you today has visited the sick? Abu Bakr said, I did. Thereupon, Allah's Messenger said, anyone in whom these good deeds are combined, yani in a day, that they do these four things in one day, will certainly enter paradise. In fact, he said that these deeds are not combined in a person except that they will enter paradise. Collected by an imam Muslim. What does this have to do with the heart? What does this have to do with the heart? Hmm. Hold on, let's go here. Hmm? Fasting is taqwa, okay. Huh. Yes. Emp mashallah. Say it again. Empathy. Allahu Akbar. How? Subhanallah. Mashallah, I mean he hit the nail. On the head, subhanAllah. Empathy. What, what is that? What does it mean to be empathetic? Huh? It means to be caring, to be selfless and not selfish. So what happens when you fast? What happens when you fast? So first of all, you're fasting... You're actually breaking yourself. Remember we talked about breaking before? You're breaking everything when you fast. Because you are so hyper alert when you're fasting. I mean, people don't even like to swallow their own saliva, right? Fasting is just an amazing tool for training the soul. So you're breaking yourself when you're fasting. And yes, it makes you a lot more conscious of other people... That's one of the wisdoms behind fasting, if you will, is that it does make you very conscious of other people who are uh, in need. There's something about serving food while you're fasting that is also great. And that is you're serving the very thing that you want. Correct? What does the fasting person want? Water and drink. Uh, uh, excuse me. Water and food, or drink, food and drink. This is what the fasting person wants. But instead of them having it for the, they give it to someone else. 
which is a clear indication that this hadith is talking about voluntary fasting, not the fasting in Ramadan. Otherwise, the Prophet wouldn't have asked who's fasting today. If it was Ramadan, they'd all have been fasting. So he volunt he's voluntary fasting. He fed someone. He followed the funeral procession. What happens there when you follow that funeral procession? It reminds you of death. And, 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 and there is no softener of the heart like death. And death is enough as an admonition, as something that will soften the heart. But you also do what when you follow a janazah? You're making dua. You're making dua for that person, which is, it shows your empathy for them. The same way that you would want those people to gather and make dua for you. What about visiting the sick? That also shows your empathy, but you know what else it does when you visit the sick, huh? It makes you appreciate your own blessings. When you see a person on a ventilator and you start realizing that you can just go, what a blessing that is, subhanAllah. But you don't even recognize it. Wallahi, we breathe effortlessly. And we don't thank Allah for it. Except for very, on very rare occasions. We praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for this ability just to go. SubhanAllah, the fact that you can relieve yourself, Allah, without any bag attached to you, a catheter, or, Wallah, it's a ni'mah. There's a huge blessing that you don't realize until you visit the sick who have been afflicted with certain things. SubhanAllah. So these four things have an amazing effect on the soul, on the heart. Fasting, feeding the needy while you're fasting is giving away that which you love. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لَن تَنَالُوا الْبِرَّ حَتَّى تُنْفِقُوا مِمَّا تُحِبُّونَ You will not attain righteousness, bir, until you give away that which you love. Tayyip, how would you title this hadith? We've got two more to go. Sorry? Empathy? Okay, what, 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 what does empathy do? Yeah. Hold on, hold on. Go ahead, Shaykh. Yeah. Right. So we talked, we talked earlier about that it was something in the heart of Abu Bakr. Yeah, Allah chose, from, okay, but beyond that, what did, what did we say when we started out? That ma fadla, ma fadla Abu Bakr ala nas bi kathrati salatin wa siyamin wa sadiq, or kathrati salat wa siyam. It wasn't his extra fasting or extra prayers, but it was something that was in his heart. If we need to look at what was it that developed that, that strength of iman in the heart of Abu Bakr, this is one indication of those things that helped to develop that in the heart of Abu Bakr. So yeah, we can look at it as empathy. What else? Can you This is a voluntary fast. Nah. Yeah, I, I want other titles. Yeah. Keys to Jannah. Okay, but we want we wanted to talk about things that are helping us to maintain a healthy and sound heart. Yes. Selflessness, yes. What, what, what did you say, sister? 
Soft, yes, things that soften the heart. I like that too. These, these are all things that help to keep the heart pliable and soft. Okay, excellent. Play. Mashi, 39. 39. Allahu Akbar. Man. I really wanted to spend some time with this hadith. Anyway, Anas ibn Malik, radiallahu ta'ala, and who reported that the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa said, a person's iman will not be upright. It won't be sound until his heart is sound. And his heart will not be upright until his tongue is upright. Collected by Imam Ahmed in his Musnad and declared to be or graded as authentic by uh, Sheikh Albani, Allah yarhamu. La ilaha illallah. What title would you give this hadith? Sorry? Keeping the tongue in prison. Sorry? Safeguarding the tongue. Yes. That was the hadith itself. You just read the whole hadith. <laughs> I thought you were going to give me like uh, excess kills. <laughs> he reworded the hadith. Yes. Your speech reflects your sincerity. Speech reflects your sincerity. Okay, so hold on. let me let me just let, let me just um, let, let's just look at this real quick, inshallah. Because uh, there, there's some subhanallah, the, the salaf have said some things about this one. We we know we know that the heart, if you will, is the the king, and the rest of the limbs are the soldiers, right? But subhanallah. And everybody knows this. In general, in general, a king usually has someone by his side huh, that is actually has an impact on the king. Huh? Sometimes it's his wife. Most kings, most kings have someone around that is not necessarily calling the shots, but influencing. Okay? An advisor, a close advisor, the influence. This is, the, this is how the tongue is. This is how the tongue is. So if the, if, the tongue, if the tongue is not right, then the heart is not going to be right because the tongue is actually the translator of the heart. How do I know what's in your heart? I have no idea. Until you do what? Until you speak or you do something. So the tongue is the immediate translator of what's in the heart. All right? And uh, let me read something to you that Ibn Al-Qayyim says about this. Ibn Al-Qayyim, rahimahullah, he says, وَمِنَ الْعَجَبِ أَنَّ الْإِنسَانِ يَهُونُ عَلَيْهِ التَّحَفُّذُ وَالْإِحْتِرَازِ مِنَ الْأَكْلِ الْحَرَامِ وَالظُّلْمِ وَالزِّنَى وَالشَّرِكَةِ وَشُوبِ الْخَمَرِ وَمِنَ النَّظَرِ الْمُحَرَّمِ وَغَيْرِ ذَلِكِ He says that it is so strange that a person can find it easy to safeguard himself and to stay away from eating that which is haram, to Staying away from oppressing other people, from illicit relationships, stealing, drinking, looking at things that are haram and other than this. He says, 
He said, but it's so difficult for him to control the movement of his tongue. So you remember what we talked about before? The heart accepts what? What you see, what you... No, it accepts thoughts. The heart is constantly bombarded with ideas and thoughts. And then it becomes so easy to just do what? Say how you feel. And this is why you have to control your thoughts and control your tongue. Control that tongue. Because if you can do that, then bi'idhnillahi ta'ala, there's, there's like this interconnected relationship between the tongue and the heart. And if you can control that tongue, then bi'idhnillahi, it'll help your heart be upright. And if your heart controls its thoughts, then it will also be easier for you to control your tongue. Last hadith. This hadith speaks for itself, Wallahi. This hadith speaks for itself. Allahu Akbar. Okay. Zayd ibn Thabit, radiallahu ta'ala, and who said, I heard the message of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, say, Whoever makes this world, his primary concern. And think about how this relates to your heart, Sikhwan. Whoever makes this world his primary concern, Allah will confound his affairs and make him fear poverty. He will fear poverty constantly. And he will not get anything of this world except that which has been decreed for him. You remember that hadith of Ibn Abbas where he says, if everybody was to gather together to help you, you would only get what was already written for you anyway. He will only get of this world what has been written, decreed for him. But whoever makes the hereafter his main concern, Allah will settle his affairs. He will make his heart content. And worldly gains will come to him despite that. Despite the fact that this is not his main concern. This is not his, yeah, we all have to have some concern. And that's why it's very interesting that the Prophet said, Mekanat al dunya hammahu, farraqallahu alayhi amrahu. That everything is going to be scattered. But whoever makes the hereafter his main concern, why do you think that is? The hereafter, once the hereafter is your concern, then your aim is to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's it. But if your hum is the dunya, if your primary concern is the dunya, the dunya is all over the place. You have to please too many things, too many entities. So you're all over the place. When the hereafter is your concern, Allah says, جَعَلَ اللَّهُ لَهُ أَمْرًا And in another narration, جَمَعَ اللَّهُ شَمْ لَهُ He brings together those things which were scattered. Allah will settle his affairs. He makes the person content. And the dunya still wants to come to him. Despite all of that. Despite all of that. This is collected by At-Tirmidhi and Ibn Majah. What would you title this hadith? What would you title this hadith? Sorry? Sorry? Oh, I heard a, word, I heard a nice word. 
Setting your priorities right. What? No, 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 no. What is your priority? Yeah, okay, oh man, we got to have two, two words back there, yes. Again, you just told me the whole hadith again, shit. Yes. This priorities decide your outcome. Prioritize the hereafter, yakfi. Prioritize the hereafter. That does what for your heart? Brings all of the affairs together, it makes you content. You understand? Okay, Juan. Brothers and sisters in Islam, after this journey, if you will. We've covered 